Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Christ Over Crypto, where earthly investments become heavenly treasures. I'm your host, Frank Turner. And on Christ Over Crypto, our message is about stewardship of God's resources so that they don't become our master, but allow us to honor and glorify our heavenly father. On today's episode, Gross Misunderstanding, we are joined by the dynamic and always thought-provoking Erica Cooley as we discuss the biblical implications of tithing and how it should impact your finances. Later in the show, I'll also be discussing digital scarcity and how it affects the value of cryptocurrency. But before we get into all those stories, I want to welcome all the listeners to the show. If this is your first time, thank you for listening. If it's not your first time, welcome back. I don't take for granted that you're spending your time here listening to my voice, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. We're going to pause for our intro and a quick message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll jump right into the interview on the other side of the break. I'll see you there. Everybody listen up, I'ma let you know That it's all about Christ over crypto You should invest but still be responsible And remember that it's Christ over crypto Yeah, and money shouldn't be your master Verse 24, Matthew the 6th chapter Serving God is the only thing that I'm after Tell the devil back up when I get my stacks up This is not about greed, I just wanna be a better me Use my resources to build up a legacy I don't wanna be dead broke when I'm 70 Christ over crypto, and it's really Helping me, yeah. Christ over crypto, come on, hey. Christ over crypto, yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Bitcoin Legendary. New to cryptocurrency? Curious on how to buy and sell Bitcoin? Visit ebook.christovercrypto.com for your free copy of Bitcoin Legendary. This ebook gives you a step-by-step guide on how to invest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies safely and securely. For our next guest, I'm super excited to have her as our first uh, interview on the show. She's an amazing young lady, currently the general sales manager for iHeartMedia in Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome to the show, Mrs. Erica Cooley. Hey, Frank. How are you? I'm awesome. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm just so excited that you're on the show. We have so much to cover. But before we get into everything we're going to talk about, just let the listeners know. I know that for some people who maybe haven't kept up with you, I introduced you as the iHeart, uh, you know, general sales manager in Jacksonville, Florida. What major transition uh, from Mobile? Um, what what caused that, and how are you doing so far with that? Um, well, we know that God is a God of promotion, and I've had the opportunity uh, to work with the number one media audio company um, in the country. Uh, I was looking for uh, various opportunities, and, um, you know, this is the one that was the best fit for me and uh, my family. Um, and so, you know, I, I jumped on it. Um, essentially, I get to manage a, a team of 15 um, and, you know, really work to build um, their two urban properties, which is 93.3 Beach and the 101.5 um, and great properties. You know, the V um, station is a throwback hip-hop and R&B, so it's our coming-of-age music. So to wake up and hear total um, and LL Cool J just takes me back to um, a very uh, familiar place in, in my my coming of age of puberty, you know. And so um, it's it's just been an awesome experience. I have great leadership. I am um, under 
um, the, the tweet of uh, John and Hickam and Nikki Sparrow. And Nikki is Black Girl Magic all day, every day. She's the president of this market. And I would really encourage everyone to just, like, Google her because um, she she has it going on. She has it going on. And she's a, she's a young African-American woman heading up um, a major, you know, a top 50 market um, in this industry. And, 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 you know, that doesn't, that's not a, that's not a little thing. That's a, that's a big thing because that is so far few between. So it's great to see someone who um, looks like me, you know, looks like the, the little, she is whom I would look at as the inner little girl and be like, wow, I'm grateful. And, and, you know, it's an opportunity um, to really serve in this capacity. So, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. That's, that's such a great answer. I mean, I think a lot of people don't understand the, what it takes to really move from, you know, where you, where you, I mean, I know you've done a few moves where you've moved from Mobile, but just to, you know, take that in stride and, and understand that what, what looks like a promotion may not be where you currently are and to take the uh, leap of faith or step of faith to go out. I think that's such a great thing. Uh, you know, one of the things that's really interesting when you, when you think about people who are Christians or people who practice Christianity, we talk about uh, having faith and, and, and giving, um, you know, God a chance to move in our lives. And a lot of times we are very stingy in some areas of our lives or, or we don't want to commit to what uh, the principles of Christ say as far as how we should live our lives and what we should do. You know, one of the, one of the biggest things that I want to kind of touch on is, you know, when you talk about, um, you know, when you when you see it where your career is, how much of of where you are versus where you were is your walk, your submission with God versus some things maybe in the past where things weren't working out and you were kind of trying to do things your own way. Can you touch a little bit on that? Well, it's uh, amazing that you you mentioned uh, faith move because it is a hundred percent faith and three thousand percent obedience, right? So I've gotten to the point where I will submit my will to God's will and my maturity. And even if I don't understand, um, you know, I'll do what he advises me to do. Um, For example, you know, uh, summer 2017, I decided to support um, a mayor candidate that wasn't necessarily popular with the African-American community um, in Mobile, but I knew God had um, created the opportunity for me and he told me to do it. And so I did it. And, um, I didn't quite understand, uh, the result of it or not even the results, but, um, the response to it. And so, um, that was a humbling moment for me because it's like, God, I've been obedient. Um, you know, I got married. You know, you told me, the, you, you told me it was time. I did, you know, do what you said do and it wasn't the easiest experience like it's um you know incredibly difficult to be married and to be separated from your husband and yet I did it um you know again I said God you know you told me to do this um and yet the backlash that I received it broke my heart you know and I had to talk to God to get a really um great understanding of what was happening and it was um, preparing me um, to really identify the relationships I was in and to even value the relationships 
um, that I have now that much more. Um, and so moving away from Mobile um, and living by Coastal, um, you know, because I am between Jacksonville and Mobile, you know, I cry like a baby um, as I, I, I started to transition from Mobile. So I was like, God, oh, this is not what, you know, I foresaw. This is not the vision that I had. Um, and, you know, he just kept opening the doors. And as I walked through them, um, very much aware of the discomfort, um, you know, it's almost like he was just rewarding me um, for my obedience. And it says obedience is better than sacrifice. Um, and, and so I found that to be true. Like, do what God says, do, regardless. And, you know, let the results fall into place. And even if you don't understand what's manifesting, you know, understand that all things work for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. And sometimes we have to be obedient so that God can shed um, things that we were attached to so that he can reposition us so that he can, um, you know, allow us to do his will and not necessarily our will. And that doesn't say that, you know, I, you know, haven't misstepped or, you know, that, you know, some of the relationships um, that no longer are there <clears throat> aren't missed is to say, like, I have one God now, right? Whereas historically I may have had many gods. Um, you know, there's a big G and there's a little G, and I never recognized it before, but, you know, searching your own heart when it's just you will bring you to a place where God will have to show you um, who he is. And you have to be totally um, reliant upon who he's showing you he's in. And God is so good to me. And I think more recently that I have accepted that God loves me. You know, God loves me. And it, it seems like not easy to say, but when when the people that you love the most are no longer there, um, when the relationship for counsel and nurturing and love are no longer there and it's just God, you will see that when you remain in your right mind that, you know, like, yo, I gave this all to God. He's here and he loves me. And that, that just taught me, um, how to better love my husband and respect the love that my husband has for me. And, you know, the word talks about um, in Ephesians, you know, marriage. And it says that the husband loves the woman, the wife, and the wife reveres the man. And I never thought about that, you know, in depth until I really started searching. And I realized, like, my husband loves me. And it's been revelatory. It's almost, have you seen, like, uh, 41st dates or whatever? It's like, it's almost like the revelation every day. Like, my husband loves me. He loves me. And my husband loves me like Christ. So this journey has been very real, but it has been so much for the maturation of um, me and my purpose and my calling and, and so that I can best serve God. Man, that was... Oof, man, you, you said something there, as, as they say. Um, that was that was so such a great thing. The the just just everything you said about just being on faith or your obedience. You know, one of the things that we're going to get into now is, you know, one of the things that God um, people people debate oftentimes in the Christian church 
is the is the tithe. And you hear the word tithe, and people some people roll their eyes. Some people say it's not ten percent. Some people say it's not in the Bible. There's all kind of different doctrines, and depending on what you want to hear, you can probably find something to support it. But um, right. we're gonna we're gonna listen to a a short clip on one of the most um, famous verses about tithing that people often use in the church, Malachi 3.10. And we're going to listen to that really quickly. And when we come back out of that, we're going to have an interesting discussion about tithing and where it fits in um, in, 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 the, in the Christian lifestyle and, and, and what you can re- and, and what the misrepresentations have been over, over the years in the church of, of tithing and what it's supposed to be. He said, but there's one scripture that the body of Christ has had messed up. And it's probably one of the most famous scriptures about tithing and offerings. And he literally said, this is me and God's relationship when we're talking. He said, you got me messed up. And I said, yeah, hold on now. Those are fighting words. You understand what I'm saying, God? And he said, no, no, you guys have misinterpreted what I meant in Malachi 3. When I talked about will a man rob God? And I was like, hold on, what are you talking about? See, when we hear that scripture, how many people have heard that scripture or heard it say, will a man rob God? And usually people use that at offering time because how can a man rob God in tithe and offering? Like we, and so we use it and infer almost that when we say, will a man rob God? Like when we don't tithe or when we don't give an offering, we're robbing God of money. And I really don't think that's what this scripture means. As I begin to pray, God gave me revelation or revealed truth. It's already there, but it's covered up. And I went back and read it again and he revealed something to me. And I'm, I've never seen this before. And I'm so excited to tell you because I think it's going to change. You see how I'm just building suspense right now. You see? I'm so excited to tell you. And I wanted to just read the scripture, but I got to tell you the revelation first so you can see it in the scripture. When, when it says, will a man rob God? I think it's the complete opposite of what we've been preaching. I think it means, will a man rob God of the opportunity to bless them? Because I'm convinced God doesn't need our money. Like, just think about it. Like, he doesn't need your money. Like, like. Did he need you to create heaven and earth? Did he need you to do it, to part seas? And he doesn't need our money. What we're doing is we're robbing him of the opportunity to bless us. And, and, and I begin to look at that. And he said, Michael, read the scripture again. See, can a man rob God? And, and I, I said, it's almost like God saying, I would like to bless you. I'd like to open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive. I'd like to rebuke the devourer for your sake. But because you won't do it my way, you are robbing me of the opportunity to bless you. Now, I know it's I know it's messing with some people's religion right now. And some people's like, I just can't. I just can't just just wait till the end of the service. Go to Malachi three. And we're going to go to verse eight and we're going to add those few words on it. Anytime it says, can a man rob God, rob God? I think it's saying, can you rob him of the opportunity to bless you? And so I'm going to add that. And let's see if we get a different perspective of this scripture. Malachi three, verse eight. Will a man rob God of an opportunity to bless him? Yet you've robbed me of many opportunities to bless you. 
But you say, in what ways have I robbed you of the opportunity to bless us? In tithes and offerings. See, when you don't tithe and when you don't give offering, you're literally tying God's hands of blessing. All right. Well, that for those who don't know, that was Pastor Michael Todd of uh, Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he is an amazing, amazing preacher. I encourage you to go and check out some more of his uh, word online. He's on YouTube. But the thing that's crazy about about Michael Todd is he is a visionary. He has a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma that's multiracial, multidiverse. For those who don't know about Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's not exactly the place where you would think that a, a, play, a church like that would spring up, but it is thriving. And, and his word and his revelations he's getting from, from Christ and some of the words he's sharing is amazing. And so, you know, when I heard his message, you know, Erica, it just totally opened my eyes as to what tithing really is and what it really means. And I just wanted to ask you really quickly, you know, after you heard that, did your mind change at all and what you had thought about tithing? And, 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 and what do you think that Christians are missing about tithing most of all? Um, yes, it, it was eye opening. Um, his delivery conveys what's in the heart, but what the mind has a hard time comprehending. And so he helps your mind to better understand and to get where your heart is. Because you know, when God tells you to do something, he provides the instructions, you know to do it in your heart, right? Because God loves you. He's not going to mislead you. But your mind starts to reason different. Like, oh, I'm not giving my time because who knows what they're doing with my time money. Or, oh, I'm not going to do this because I have to pay X, Y, and Z bill. But you know, to me, tithing aligns with trusting, right? And you trust that you do what you're supposed to do on your end, and it's it's only 10%. Like, we give that up in taxes every day. So we tithe to the state every single day, right, no matter where the transaction is. If you're in Alabama, for example, you're going to give up that 10%. But yet we question it when it's going to – um, the church. And for me, I, I, tithing is necessary and it's the ultimate form of submission in this day and age because your duckets, your bags, your stacks, you know, everybody talk about securing the bag, but you know, what do you do when you secure the bag? Are you, um, trusting God enough to give that 10% back to him? And it's not because he needs it per se. It's really because he's trying to see if he blesses you, will you be obedient? So it does come back to obedience. Like we can twist the word. We can try to finagle it. We can try to reason it in our own minds, but the word never fails. And so abiding by what has been prescribed, um, I haven't seen it, um, you know, I I haven't seen it not do what it's supposed to do. Um, And, you know, I've heard recently and um, even my homegirls and I talk about, well, what if I tithe with my time? What if I I tithe in my service? That's cool. You know what I'm saying? I do believe that you should offer that up. Um, But when God gives you 10, give him that dollar. And that's a mission. That's like, okay, 
I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this is what I'm supposed to do. So submission, obedience go hand in hand, and I think that's where the blessings come through because there is so much that tells us not to do it. Like there's so much telling us not to do what we know to do. It's almost like when you do it, there you are, you know. Um, so I, I believe um, that the, the pastor, um, when he says, you know, that this is necessary and this is what you should do. And I believe the word, more importantly, um, that's, that's what we should do, period. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, and, you know, it's it's the main thing is I think one thing people don't understand is it's it's not only just the 10 percent, but it's also the first 10 percent. Right. Because, that's you know, right. You know, it's God doesn't want your leftovers. He doesn't care about it. Um, you, if you don't bring it the first, he doesn't want it. Right. That's why. You think about Cain and right. Abel, and that that was a whole thing. People were like, "Why didn't Why didn't he accept Cain's offering?" And it was because people have supposed it wasn't of his first. It was, you know, just oh, right. whatever, I, whatever I could bring. You know, here, here, guy, here's a tip. It's not he's, he's not a he's not a server. He's the Almighty God. I, th- I think one of the things that people misunderstand is that we and and if you if you are truly understanding and being a, a Christian, you you are not. You are in a kingdom. You're in the kingdom of God. You're a part of the sonship of the kingdom of God. That's right. And so that means that we are citizens. That means that God owns everything in this kingdom, right? He is allowing us to steward over it. So the worst thing you can do in a kingdom, and I've heard I heard this in a sermon by Miles Monroe, is claim ownership. Hoarding things can lead to a loss right. of all things in a kingdom. It is a great insult to That's a right. king to take ownership. So who are we? And that fits in even more importantly with the whole how can a man rob God of an opportunity to bless them? He's the king. It's like yes. you can't you see what I'm saying? Like this is this is something that is is something that we have to get into our minds and I think that, you know, we have this mindset of Well God, I will tithe when I get my money, right? It's like what does that even mean to God? God is like, I don't need your money, I need your obedience and I think the reason why Money comes up, and, and this is true. The scripture has mentioned money and tithing and offering over 2,000 times in the Bible. And the reason why is because it is where the love of money is the root of all evil. And that is why God is after your heart. He doesn't care about the tithe specifically. He just knows so many people are so clinging to their, as you say, ducats, their dollars, their stacks, that God wants your heart. And so if he's got to go through the money to get to your heart, he's like, okay, give me your money. Give me your Bitcoin. Whatever you got, I want it. Because I want, that's right. I want, I want you to serve me. I want you to want me more than anything. Like I, I, I tell people this story. There's a book, Counterfeit Gods, by Timothy Keller. I, I recommend if, to read if you haven't read it. But we have so many things we put before God, and I would just say that right now, many people, if they said, "Hey, you need to empty out your bank account and bring it to, not even to the church, bring it to somebody in need." People would be like, no, I can't do that because when am I going to get the, I need my rent. It's like if you truly, truly believe in God, there's nothing you would give up, would not give up because you know he could replace it. I mean, you got to you got to look at somebody like right. Ab- you got to think about Abraham. Right. People say, oh, you read the Bible and you that's say, right. OK, Abraham, that's a great story. Right. Sounds good. Oh, you, yeah. Right. So you ima- imagine this a, a modern day. Fast forward. You 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 trying with your wife for you know six years to have a baby and you did like 20 in vitros and you finally got the kid to, to take and then you're um jesus and then god is like hey i need you to take your kid and sacrifice me like what we spent a hundred thousand dollars and we take all this time and you want us to sacrifice our child like the people don't understand how how much faith abraham had to do that and because of that 
his his nations extended beyond he said look at the stars that's how many your descendants would be i mean he couldn't obviously count it but it's just like that is that is the point that is where god wants us to be this the, the people aren't people read the bible and they just kind of compartmentalize it but the bible is a living word for us to embrace and live by and be these characters and not just read about them like a fairy tale and so i just i just really um wanted to just touch on the tithing because i really think that so many people's heart are so they 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 have so many reasons why they can't do it but then there's so many things in their lives that aren't right and and i and i want to say like this isn't a prosperity thing because a lot of times people say oh i tithe and i'm gonna get some back no uh, and a couple things right there are so many blessings other than money that you can have, right? When you think about good health, you think about the things that don't happen to you, traveling grace, you think about all the accidents that happen on planes, trains, That's automobiles. Right. So I'm just saying, like, having that blessing over you is so much more valuable than any amount of money. I mean, I think people just don't fully understand the make to, to make that investment um, in, in Christ. Because I, think, I, think, I, think, I think to your point... Um, we forget our citizenship, right? Our citizenship is now to the kingdom. It's not to this world. And so there are different policies, for lack of better words, to operate in the kingdom. And if you're a kingdom citizen, then it is only um, right that you abide by the policies of the kingdom and not necessarily of the world. Tithing is a kingdom principle. It's not a worldly principle because the world is going to tell you, Oh, I don't know what they're doing with my money. Oh, uh, pastor went around with a Bentley, and that may be something you need to check out on your own. But you do what you're supposed to do and let God bless you. And if the, the, if the church in which you're tithing doesn't behave appropriately, then that curse is upon them. That curse isn't upon you. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? So I... I just want us to understand that there's a different type of citizenship, right? And we don't necessarily want to be foreigners to the kingdom. We want to be known. We want to be present. We want our birthright. And our birthright has prerequisites, and providing that tie is part of the prerequisite. Man, well, that was so well said. I mean, I think I think that's the main thing is that we – have to look at this life a little bit differently with everything our resources our money our bodies everything is you 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 are you are an ambassador um to the to the kingdom of god i know it seems funny to think but you 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 already have everything that you already need to do has already been established all you have to do is is literally live it out i know that seems hard to imagine but i, I in a world where american christianity has somewhat morphed into the whole pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and having just conservative values and living a certain way or maybe, you know, doing a certain thing. But it is a transformation. Um, we talked about this before we even came up. A, a transformation of your heart to where people look at you and say, I don't know what it is about him but or her, but they there's something that they're doing. There's something in them that is just not... They look like me, They they, they but they, they got something different in them. And I think... We we don't do that enough. We, we 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 too often we think about what the world thinks, what the world wants, and so I just challenge you know our our listeners, people listening, to you know go and and study some scripture. Like don't we you know some people say oh you know you guys are saying this and that, but the 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 one of the things that you know 
repent. The kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That That is a real scripture. You know, so what I'm saying is people have read scriptures. And they don't even think about understanding. You know, being a citizen of this kingdom is a serious thing. You're a dual citizen. You don't think about it like that. People think about, okay, you're American and, you know, French or American and, you know, Iraqi or something like that. No, you're you're in this, you're in or on earth and you're also a heavenly citizen to which one day you'll be transformed and be a permanent citizen, hopefully. Right. So, I mean, it's just it's just a great right. thing that, that to, to explore. But um, I guess the last thing I want to ask you on this topic is. um. What what got you, I, I, I guess, as far as tithing, just give an example of when you maybe thought about not tithing, but you just did it because you said, I need to do it. And you just saw whatever your need was just blow up just in an amazing way. Not even money, just just something, you know, just a great experience with tithing. I know you were probably looking forward to hearing her answer. But you'll have to tune in next week to hear the second part of the interview. It gets even better, obviously, with the first part, just hearing, you know, her story, Erica's story, and just how honest and transparent she was. I just I encourage you to, you know, listen to the show next week to hear the rest of that interview. So just want to thank Erica for coming on. And uh, we just look forward to people being uplifted by her story as we move forward. Uh, right now, we are going to jump into the cryptocurrency and news update segment of the program. So uh, let's head right into that. Excuse me, chap. I can barely make out what you're saying. Pardon my fiat. I only speak crypto. Pardon my fiat. Cryptocurrency news and updates. All right, all right. Welcome to the cryptocurrency news and updates portion of this of this show. Um, you know, one of the things that I get a lot of questions about is, you know, what is cryptocurrency and why should I invest in it and why is it safe and what is the real value? It's not really something I can hold. You know, why why not gold? Why not silver? Uh, you know, what is what is the real value of crypto cryptocurrency? And and that's and those are really good questions. I'm not going to attempt to answer all of them in this one segment because I think there's a lot um, to unpack when it comes to cryptocurrencies and investing. But I, I truly believe that, you know, when you look at um, and you understand the value of scarcity, that's going to that's going to where we're going to start the conversation. Um, we'll actually start at the opposite of scarcity, which is the current U.S. dollar. And so in 1971, uh, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard and. What that means is that the dollar was it used to be backed by a certain amount of gold in reserve. So you could actually, before 1971, take money into certain locations and get gold for that money uh, for dollars. You could actually get physical gold. Once they took it off the gold standard, the dollar was not backed uh, by gold. Now there is the dollar is backed by the petro by the petrodollar, what they call the petrodollar, which is by oil. That's a different conversation for a different time, but. Literally, because of the way the dollar is proliferated now, you can print as many dollars as they want. The Federal Reserve can print as much money as it wants. So it's not uh, something that's held in check. Uh, as the uh, and, so, and so you can see how you can have hyperinflation or inflation at some point. Now, obviously, uh, with, with it being tied as reserve currency to oil, that does provide the dollar some stability. But there still is an issue with the amount of money that's been printed over the last, say, 10 to 15 years. That is going to cause a problem. 
So where does cryptocurrency come in? Well, the idea of cryptocurrency is many of these coins, and I'll, I'll just use Bitcoin for an example. Um, these coins, there's a limited number of them. So there's only 21 million Bitcoins that, that are ever going to exist. Some of the coins have been permanently lost because of the way cryptocurrency is stored and the way you kind of access it, which I won't get into, uh, like I said, in this segment. But that creates a value of scarcity. And so while cryptocurrency is not something that you can hold and you can touch, it does have value from a standpoint there's only so many of them that are going to ever be in existence. And I think a lot of people say, well, you know, if you can't hold it, how valuable is it? I just think that when we're heading into a generation where we have to look beyond what the current generation is doing. Sure, the baby boomers, Generation X, they're saying, hey, they invest in gold and you know other things. And, and I'm not saying those things aren't good investments. But what I'm saying is the millennial generation, as they get older into their prime earning years, they're looking at these digital assets and saying there is value in digital scarcity. And so they're putting their money there. Now, they're not necessarily putting all their money there, but they're going to put a large chunk of their um, income in there for investing once, once they hit their prime earning years. And I think that's where you have to look at this revolution of digital currency. It's not about necessarily, okay, what is the price of, say, Bitcoin or Litecoin now? It's what value do these these coins hold as a commodity over a period of time? How can they be valued in, in a world, in an economy where paper currency is subject to inflation? It's, it's, a, it's a known fact that all fiat currency, which is paper money that's issued by governments, has failed at some point. Now, obviously, the dollar is strong and there's some great factors around it, as I mentioned with the petrodollar and oil, but it is still not immune uh, you know, to, to inflation. So I think... You know, I'm not advocating for for cryptocurrency as spending it, right? I'm, some people get on that and say, and say, oh, you know, Bitcoin or this or that's going to take over for the dollar. I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. It could happen. I don't necessarily know if the cryptocurrency that is going to be the everyday spend is even out right now. But what I will say is the value store of cryptocurrencies exists right now. And that factors into the digital scarcity. All these different coins, they all have a limited supply that can be mined or, or, or you know, obtained, so to speak. So that creates a lot of value. And I think when you look at, as I mentioned, the spending habits and patterns of the next generation, they have bought into the idea of this digital scarcity. Even though it's not something you can physically hold, they buy into the value of holding a commodity that only certain people can have. And so that's just a, something to be aware of. And I, I just feel like in, in a world where you have a lot of economic uncertainty, um, adding cryptocurrency as a commodity for, to your portfolio is a great hedge. And it's, it's, you know, it's just diversification. Um, certainly, you should be wary of any, you should be careful of any investment you make and understand the risk. But I, I do think that at this point, the concept of you know, digital scarcity makes, um, and there's like I said, many other factors, but just touching on that topic, the the idea of digital scarcity as, as a commodity for the commodity of cryptocurrency makes it valuable. And I would uh, certainly recommend. Um, you know, getting into some of that, especially when you, you can actually invest in it in your retirement accounts, I think it's a great way to have diversification in your portfolio. Before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody you can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and Google Play Podcasts. Also check out our YouTube channel for our podcast and also exclusive video content. And lastly, check out Christ or Crypto for more news, apparel, and our generosity page where we feature those in need of assistance due to unforeseen circumstances. 
On the next episode of Christ Over Crypto, we'll be continuing our interview with Erica Cooley, as well as diving into how cryptocurrency can factor in to your retirement account. Before we get out of here, I want to give you the chance to make the best investment you can ever make. And that's uh, one in, in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And you know, maybe, maybe you're never going to church. Maybe you're just listening to this and you don't know what this podcast is about, but you're interested in knowing Jesus is more personally. Or maybe you've been walking with God you're, and you've fallen away and you, and you want to make sure that you, you start walking back with him again. I encourage you uh, to say this prayer. So repeat after me. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve death, which are the consequences of my sin. However, I am trusting in Jesus Christ alone as my Savior, and I ask for forgiveness of my sins. I believe that his death and resurrection provided for my forgiveness and salvation. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me and giving me access to your eternal kingdom. Amen. Congratulations. You started your journey with Christ. Let me encourage you to, to find a local church and continue your discipleship with other fellow believers. If you're in the greater metropolitan area of Baltimore, I welcome you to make your church home at I-5 City, located at 681 Hollins Ferry Road in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11. That's all for now. Until next time, always remember, Christ over crypto.